Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yeah, and as usual, if you have any questions, we do like to take time answering those questions every week, Uh, except this week we kind of have a special episode, and so we're not going to take any time at the end of this podcast to answer some of those questions, but please keep sending them in uh, because we'll continue answering them in future weeks. So just so you know, you can send those questions into infogrove.church, shoot us an email, put important question in the subject heading, and Evan will make sure that he checks us quickly. Uh, but really, we just like to spend time every week. You can also send them to our Facebook page that we are the Grove Church in Washington State. Feel free to send us those uh, questions via direct message so there you we go. can check them out. Yeah, we are, uh, well, not we, I am, I'm on vacation as we speak in the in the time warp. Yeah. So right now I'm not on vacation, but as yeah. you're listening to this, I will have just be flying back from uh, California, visiting the hey, old family, the old parents. Yep. It'll be awesome. The so old parents. Looking, They're good people. Yeah. I, I like the Westerfields, but yeah, so it'll be, it'll be good to get away. Um, and with everything going on, we just wanted to make sure that we were still able to get um, another episode to you, even if it's not kind of a normal episode, but yeah. I think this will actually be really a little fun. bit of fun today. So the idea here is we just wanted to talk about um, two things. It's almost like a highlight. Yep. So like, for me, what's been sticking in my head, for Aaron, what's been sticking in his head, we wanted to discuss it. We have no notes right now. We're kind of just talking. Sure I do. Aaron has notes? Oh, fine. I didn't come with any notes, but whatever. That's because um, you're smarter than me. I need, I need so, notes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit more conversational, but yeah. we, we just wanted to kind of bring up what we've been thinking about, uh, discuss it a little bit, and hopefully you guys find that. Um, hope you guys find it nice. So yeah. we'll see. If you if like not, it, just pretend like you did. If you like it and you want us to do this more often, let us know. Um, right now, it's we're planning on only doing this the one time, but you know, if it's popular or whatever, we can yeah. do more of them. So who knows? We'll see. Anywho, I mean, do you want to start? Should no, I start? you can start. Okay, I'll start. You don't have notes. I do. Okay, so uh, for me, um, and if you're if you're at church last Sunday, uh, or if I, you watched online. I'm trying to think of, it was June 28th is the date. Cause I'm yeah. trying to think of how many weeks ago it was when this comes out. But anyway, uh, I got the opportunity to speak, which is, which is great. Um, I really loved it. Did a great job um, by the way. Oh, thanks. Uh, but I got to talk about Job and honestly, like if, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that like we did this episode on the book of Job a few months back yeah, now, how, I was gonna say how long it's like three or four months. <laughs> and that's but, where it all started, right? That's where you kind of, yeah, I was reading it and I was just like, I really like this book and the way it's struck. Yeah. So I've been like, I've been rereading it. He went deeper than we can go on the podcast. Oh yeah. Into this book. I've been doing, um, I've been reading through three different commentaries right now, just because like, I, yeah, it's, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever had this moment or not, but, um, sometimes like you're just reading something and a theme sticks out to you and the way that the book is structured sticks out to you. And I just really wanted to, I really wanted to know more about this book. So that's where I'm at. Um, one of the things that I brought up in my message and I hadn't really thought about it until I was, I was prepping for the message. And this is kind of what I want to talk about today is what I think is really interesting about the book of Job is that all of the characters, except for God and Elihu. So every other character that we meet in the book, um, they all believe the same thing, which is really weird, but it manifests in different ways. Um, But they all believe that morality is entirely connected to circumstance. So, um, and when I, when I say that, here's what I mean, that's right? A, that's a deep line right there. Right. So um, I don't mean to say that there is no connection between morality and circumstance, because if you live an upright and moral life, your circumstances will probably be better just because yeah. like people are going to like you, you're going to make smarter decisions. Like, so there's just, there's natural cause and effect to that. But um, 
the idea that they all believe is that how moral of a person you are is directly to connected to what your circumstances are and entirely connected to that. Mm-hmm. So there's no variance. And so when, um, when God is bragging on Job and he's saying, you know, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He's awesome. I don't know why that was my God voice, but it was. Um, but uh, Satan's retort is that, well, if you took everything away from Job, mm-hmm. he would curse you to your face. Um, or in other words, what he's saying in that moment is that the only reason that Job is being moral is because of the circumstances you have given him. That's that's why it's entirely connected. But if you took away those circumstances, then Job's morality would also fail, mm-hmm. which we know is untrue. Because Satan attacks, I mean, literally everything. Yeah. Um, Eventually, even Job himself. Yeah, except Job's wife. He leaves her. But uh, she does the whole curse God and die thing. Yes. But uh, um, but Job, yeah, Job doesn't. Job doesn't attack God. He says, uh, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And even though he questions God, um, and it gets it gets really intense yeah. uh, during that whole, that whole aspect of it, and he's questioning God and asking, you know, why are these things happening to me? Um, he really doesn't cross the line into what I would say condemning God, if yeah. that makes sense. So, um, which is a, which is which is a unique point in and of itself because there is that line of it's now condemning, it's now um, blasphemous, and Job walks. I don't think he flirts with that line. I think he because he has. I mean, he starts off the book. He's he's one of the highest character guys in in the world at the time. He's described as the greatest of all the people in the East. So. There, there. I don't think he flirts with that line at all. But I think you have you see this very real, um, raw angst of, of situation that Job is wrestling with God. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, and then you see, in addition to um, to Job, Job's friends all believe this, mm-hmm. and what they believe is, um, and they all love God. They all believe in God. They all, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're faith based friends, so to speak. These are not weird Christian about it. Yeah, these are not. Um, non-Jews yeah. <laughs> talking to Job, because it would be Jewish back then, not, yeah. not Christians. But um, they all believe that, and you, and you can follow their logic, because I think there's actually a lot of people who believe this today. They believe that, well, God is good and God is sovereign. Therefore, if you are good and God is sovereign, then only good things will happen to you, is, is essentially what they believe. They believe that all pain, all suffering... Um, is a direct response to sin in your life. Um, and so when when Job's circumstances suddenly change, none of the friends um, will even hear of the idea that it wasn't something that Job did to cause it. They all think, and, and, and it's funny because in their minds, they're all defending God. Yeah. Um, because they're all saying, Job, we know you're a sinner. Stop saying that you didn't do anything to, to bring this wrath down upon you. And, th- and that's essentially the tone that they all take throughout the whole book. And, and the reason they take that tone is because they believe, uh, just like Satan, that Job's morality is entirely connected to circumstance, even though it's it's the inverse, right? Because Satan believed the circumstances created the morality, and Job's mm-hmm. friends believe that the morality created the circumstance, but it's still the same lie, even though it goes yeah. in a different direction. And so that's what they believe. Um, and then eventually we get this with Job, uh, that Job himself, later on in the book, um, he literally uses the language of... Um, like a court of law. And he said like, you know, God, why are you being my adversary right now? And he's actually demanding to like God come down and, and answer, um, which God eventually does, which is, you know, one of my favorite passages. That's of, awesome. That that passage has been my favorite for even before I got really into Job because it's so it's like, it's so great. And it's in all of its sarcastic glory. Um, but yeah, what, what Job is revealing there is that he also believes that because of his morality, his circumstances should be different. Yeah. 
And so even though the belief of Satan and the belief of Job's friends and the belief of Job himself, it manifests itself in different ways, what's lying at the heart of it is the assumption that morality is entirely connected to circumstance. And that's, I think the the reason that it, it stuck with me is because it's really applicable to today. And I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of false teaching that promises people um, things that the Bible never promises. That yeah. if, if you trust in Jesus, then life is going to be great. If you trust in, if you just trust in God and with ha- a lot of these guys and send me some money, um, but like all of a sudden <laughs> your, your bills are going to go down. Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's all these different things, but the, but the, the lie that they're predicating on is that, Hey, your life hasn't been great. And the reason your life hasn't been great is because you haven't done this morally. Mm-hmm. And once you do, once you, um, once you appease God by doing X, by by sending me money, by you know giving money, like whatever it is, then God will change your circumstances because that's yeah. what because that's what you deserve. If only. Um, yeah, I mean, if I guess if only, like if God was a vending machine, it wouldn't be nice because I think you miss out on like God being, you know, God. Um, but I think it is this really pervasive belief yeah. in our lives. And that when we go through suffering, we we show that many times we believe it because all of a sudden our attitude is not um, gratitude towards the gifts that God has given us. Yeah. All of a sudden, as soon as we're introduced to suffering or, or hardship, it's God, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. And we don't really look at it from the perspective of A, God is sovereign, he's in control, he knows what he's doing, but also B, um, there's there's nowhere in scripture where it promises that life won't be hard. In fact, it's the opposite. Like yeah. in Psalm 23, you have the whole, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say if I walk through it. It says yeah. when I walk through, like when I come to hard times, um, you were with me. And the, and the promise of God is never that we won't have hard times. The promise of God is that he will be there with us mm-hmm. in the hard times. So that's, yeah, that's been my thought. Yeah. Uh, on Job, it just kind of stuck with me. Yeah, well, and I think that that I think that line, man, like morality should directly impact our circumstances, is is a pervasive truth that we even wrestle with today. Um, and I am curious. You said, and, and just because it's a podcast, so I'm going to do it. Um, you said Elihu was the one who didn't have that perspective, and and at least his his kind of confrontation with the the four individuals, Job's three friends, and Job himself. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by that? So like I could I could be convinced otherwise because um, in my in my deep dives I haven't gotten to Elihu yet so I just have like a, a cursory so to be determined yeah but there's an asterisk by that statement um, yeah God for sure does not have that perspective no when I when I, I read but when <laughs> when I do the when I do the read through of Elihu he rebukes Job's friends and what he says is again paraphrasing but um, how dare you condemn Job for a sin that you have no proof that he committed is mm-hmm. the idea. And so with Elihu, he's not, he's not willing to make the leap in logic that because Job's circumstances changed, it must be something to do with Job. Yeah. Um, and by the same token, he rebukes Job because he, he calls Job out on the fact that all of Job's arguments were defending his own honor um, and they weren't defending God's honor. Hmm. And so to, to me, what that shows is that Elihu's perspective is one of, I, I don't know. 
which sometimes is yeah. is what we have to say and what people don't it's like true. saying. Um, but Elihu doesn't know why Job is suffering. Um, he's angry because he he thinks it's inappropriate um, and hurtful what it, what Job's friends are doing uh, to him. Um, but he's also angry because what this is causing is a is questioning of God's goodness. Yeah. Because the the if 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 you're basing it. If your whole worldview is built around the idea that if you are a quote unquote good person, then good things will happen to you. Then the second that one half of that doesn't become true, all of a sudden your your choices are either that that worldview is not true um, or that God has failed. And that's where I think Job gets dangerously close to yeah. on, on that line of accusing God as failure, whereas Job's friends... Uh, just refuse to even question that world belief from mm. the forefront. And so I think Elihu has a, a pretty good middle ground of saying, I don't know why Job is suffering. I don't think it's what you guys are saying. And I know, but I do know that God is all of these things. And then Elihu just goes on a big list of like extolling basically the virtues and the goodness of God yeah. and, and essentially reprimanding, um, reprimanding Job for not putting his faith in the goodness and the, the perfect justice of God. Mm. So that was, yeah, that's yeah. kind of my thought there. Crazy. Yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, that, yeah, I think that that, such a challenging statement. So, um, yeah. Aaron, what, what's been in your head? So, oh, so for me, uh, just to give you kind of a, a perspective of kind of where I'm at and a kind of how I do, you know, my, my devotions, if you will, at the time I spend kind of digging into God's word, I try and read it every morning. Uh, the Bible, that is, I try and read. Uh, and I kind of work through books of the Bible right now. So I know we're as a church are going through this this Bible reading plan. But for me, where it really sticks and where I really feel like I'm, I, I want to be at right now is just kind of deep diving into books and working through them. And so I try every morning to uh, tackle a book. And what I have is I have commentaries that I buy because uh, I really like the the way they read. Uh, it actually feels more like a devotional discussion than it feels like um, it like a deep you know, commentary, so to speak, where there's the, the intel, intellect and head knowledge of all these different things. It occurs to me <clears throat> that we've said commentary quite a few times <laughs> and we haven't actually explained what they are. Yeah. So, I mean, you can take it if you want to, but I thought that might be helpful for people. No, go for it. <laughs> okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, commentaries are basically, um, they're books written by scholars that are meant to be read as a companion to a book of the Bible. Yeah. And so when he's, when Aaron's talking about uh, commentaries on Ephesians or when I'm talking about commentaries on Job, what it means is um, you can read verses and then you can read a commentary and it'll give you some helpful, um, it'll, it'll, yeah, just, some helpful it'll, take, yeah, it'll take that passage and kind of break it down. It'll kind of help you understand some context things or understand, you know, some of the underlying truths and the reality or, or what, you yeah, know, some history you might the not author's be aware writing of. or, yeah, there's just some really significant statements because the Bible is such a deep and rich, um, textbook. Like it's not, not even textbook. Like it's such a deep and rich thing that God has given us, um, that it's, it's, it's just fun to see the different nuances. And so right. I've been on this kick for a while on this journey. Uh, and so I, I've been reading this, this series, uh, called preaching the word, uh, Kent Hughes is the, you know, I guess the editor in chief or whatever, but he's the main author here. Uh, and so I've, I, I've literally just started probably a few weeks ago reading through the book of Ephesians. Um, and this thought actually hit me, we're recording this, uh, you know, this week, whatever, you don't know what that week that is, but yesterday's reading is what it was for me. Um, 
And it was just out of Ephesians 3, and, you know, it highlights verses 20 to 20. So when I say I have notes, I actually just have the commentary, you know, opened up on my iPad because I, I do the digital version. Uh, my phone has the passage of scripture it hits from Ephesians. So I'm just going to read it real quick and then read the, the couple highlights I have from this. Uh, but it, it's just out of Second Cor- or sec- Ephesians 2, sorry, uh, verses 20 to 22. But I'll read um, just those two verses and, and share some thoughts with you. It says this, uh, built, uh, referring to... God's temple, referring to God's household, says it was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. That's the thought that I have. That's the statement that I'm going to hit. Um, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which lives uh, God lives by his spirit. Um, and, and, and this is the, I mean, we've heard this before, one of Evan's favorite songs that I remember back when I was a youth minister, he was one of my youth leaders and we would butt heads about philosophies and approaches and <laughs> styles. And um, one of his favorite songs that we used to sing in youth was called Running, where, no, I'm just kidding. That's actually his least favorite <laughs> that's, song. That's an inside um, joke that no one gets. So but. bad. There's a song that we are running, you know, chasing all after all that you are. And and in that, for whatever reason, in youth conferences and things like that, the, 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 uh, the band leading would like run kind of joggingly from one side of the stage to the other. Uh, and so in youth, we would have the students would run from one side of the room to the other just to kind of create a little bit of chaos. And Evan hated it every chance he got. So I'm an old man in my heart. Oh, he's been not just time. in his heart, but his soul. So anyways, the song that Evan actually really did like was called it was called Cornerstone um, by Hillsong, which is the, the United, I think, which is the same <laughs> the same one who, who who made running pretty popular for us, at least <laughs> was their version. Um and it was this idea of a cornerstone, you know, and so Evan would preach about the idea of a cornerstone. It, it, it's, you know, for in a building conversation, it is it is a very a strong, sturdy piece of the foundation. It's, you know, some of the, you know, in architecture today, some of the chief footings are in cornerstones and things like that. But this picture that uh, came in Ephesians that really struck me, that challenged me, uh, was talking about this idea of a cornerstone. Um and, and so it just says this, this is in the commentary, it's page 98 if you ever... I'm just trying to cite my sources, but, um, and, and this is what it says. So I'm just going to read it and then we'll, uh, share my thoughts. It says, since, uh, both the apostles and prophets had a teaching role, the foundation is teaching regarding, regarding God's temple. Uh, this is the foundation piece. Um, and it continues on, uh, thus the foundation of the new temple, the new temple is God's word, especially in new Testament scriptures. The church stands or falls in its regard to the new Testament scriptures. If we tamper with the foundation, the temple will crumble. That is why Paul ordered Timothy to preach the word. Then he jumps into cornerstone. Cornerstone. It's important as a f- important as the foundation is. There is another component even greater of a greater importance, and that is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ. This refers to the quote that we just read. Christ Himself being the cornerstone. This is immensely rich imagery. For hundreds of years, cornerstone had been a prophetic designation for the Messiah. Then you fast forwards a little bit, and he says this uh, again on page ninety eight. The cornerstone decided the architectural unity and symmetry. The lay of the walls, the dimensions of the structure were a result of the chief cornerstone. All other stones had to be adjusted to it. In fact, F.F. Bruce, who is a brilliant scholar, a great writer on different versions and commentaries of the Bible, he's just a brilliant individual. He says, F.F. Bruce believes that the phrase attested stone in the Isaiah prophecy really means a stone of testing, i.e. that it is that it tested the building to show whether it was built to the architect's specifications. The shape and stability of God's new temple, this goes back to Ken Hughes, the shape and stability of God's new temple, the third race, which is another statement in and of itself, which is brilliant, is determined by Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And the crazy thing for me is, as I was reading this the other day, yesterday, 
It just, the, the thought really challenged me. The cornerstone decided the architectural unity and symmetry, that the lay of the walls, the dimensions of the structure were all a result of the chief cornerstone. And it just made me, like, the entire building is influenced by Jesus. If we're going to use our bodies, our lives as the temple of Christ, right? We're called in 1 Corinthians 6, we're called the temple. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is the chief cornerstone, he's the one that influences the architecture and the symmetry of our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we build, what we do, how we see, everything is meant to be influenced by the chief cornerstone who is Jesus. And it, it, it kind of challenged me to think about the simple sense of like, how am I, how is my life reflecting this chief cornerstone in Jesus? If he is the cornerstone, everything hinges, the entire building of a building is shaped and determined by one stone. And I think one of the things I remember reading is like in, in the Old Testament, like the temple itself, the Old Testament temple, the, the, some of the, the cornerstones, some of the foundation blocks were upwards of 27 feet tall. Like they, they drastically influenced the size and the magnitude and the ability of this building to be as magnificent as it was. Yeah. Do, do yourself a favor and uh, Google image cornerstones if you're at home. Yeah. It, it, Are you doing it, it is, Did you do it right now? I, my iPad right now is full of images. Of corner. It's really interesting though, because you can see how how different they look than mm -hmm. the rest of the stones that are building up to that point. So it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about like at the end of the day, if Jesus is the chief cornerstone, this is the one thought, like this is the one thing that I, I've just been, as I told Evan earlier, it's just been wrecking me. If Jesus is that cornerstone, the cornerstone is meant to shape, influence, and, and determine how a building is built, laid out, and defined. If Jesus is the chief cornerstone for me and for you as a follower of Christ, he should be doing the same thing in our lives. And how often is that not the truth? How often in my life is, uh, am I the chief cornerstone? My desires, my wishes, my whims, my everything. And at the end of it, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who decides my architectural unity and my symmetry. The influ He influences my life and how it's shaped, built, and established. And then and there's times where I'm, I'm thankful for the grace and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit where it reminds me, that I have done certain things in my life because Jesus has changed me. Right. You know, as I look back to that moment where I, I definitively gave my life to Christ and submitted to him and to follow him and do what he called me to and stepping into ministry and laying my life down and not partying and not drinking and not doing things in high school that people do in high school, that I, I willingly laid down things. And so there's moments where I'm like, okay, God, I, I think I'm honoring you here. But then there's other moments I'm like, God, I'm definitely not honoring you here. And, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm thankful for his grace that is continual reminder um, of that shape and influence that Christ should be in all of our lives. Because if he truly is the cornerstone, which is the song that I was referring to, talks about Christ alone, cornerstone, um, the weak made strong and the father's love. Like it goes on and on, but it's a great song. But it is that reminder for you and I today, like this idea, that, okay, Jesus is the one who should be influencing who should be determining and who should be laying out our lives because he is that cornerstone. So that that's the thing that's been wrecking me this last couple of days or whatever that I'm sure will continue to wreck me as the days continue to progress. So. Yeah, I think that's a great thought. Um, in looking at pictures of cornerstones, just because I was just curious, <laughs> but I, what, what, what stands out to me is uh, um, before you put siding on a, on a building or anything like that. So if you look at old buildings that are actually built of brick and stone and stuff like that, it's actually really obvious where a cornerstone is. Like you can just kind of look at a building 
And if you just give it a quick walk around, you'll be able to see where the cornerstone is. And so for our lives, um, how easily can people do that with our lives? How easily can people do that with our social media? How easily can people do that with the way that we live? Um, How long do they have to, to know us before they know that our lives are built yeah. around are built around Christ. So yeah. I mean, well, for me, that's even the rebuke. I, I don't I don't remember who it was. Was it in Acts? I think that was part of the rebuke of the religious leaders, like the cornerstone whom you killed, like whom you cast aside, whom you rejected. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm googling it now too. I didn't Google it till just now. So don't you? It's totally interesting. Man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I know and architecturally, it's beautiful. Like the yeah the yeah. I know this isn't where you were planning on going, but. Listeners at home, Google pictures of cornerstones. It's really interesting to, yeah. to see there. It's so, so true. But um, those things are the ones that determine how the building is going to be laid out, those cornerstones, which is so crazy to think about. So yeah. anyways. So there you go. Uh, those are those are our thoughts. That's what we've been thinking about yeah. uh, today. A little one-off fun little week. So yeah. hope you enjoyed it. Hope hope you did. Uh, hope I enjoy my vacation that's yes, coming up. I so, hope so too. Hope, we'll you're, hope you're enjoying vacation right now, Evan. Thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, but anyways. You had a that, good score in golf. Oh, yeah. I'm golfing with... Uh, uh, my dad and my brother and my grandpa for the first time. So I, I just recently picked up golf. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't mean to brag, but uh, I've been hitting up the par threes and been doing all right. So we'll see how it goes. It's called winning. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, we're a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and content at our website at grove.church. Have a great day.